Bonnie Harrison and welcome to The Detail's Long Read. This week, a story by Newsroom's business editor Nikki Mando on procurement. It's an issue that may sound boring, but it's really worth our attention. Five years ago, the government announced its Broader Outcomes Procurement Strategy as a way of adding social, economic, environmental and cultural goals into the criteria guiding the billions of dollars of taxpayer money it spends on stuff every year. But it now seems this direction has been left behind. Nikki spoke to the details' Alexia Russell about why she became interested in this story. Nikki Manda, welcome to The Details Long Read. Hi Alexia, this is exciting. <laughs> hey listen, you seem to be very good at making boring things sound interesting and I think you've done it again here with this issue of procurement. Alexia, there is nothing boring about procurement. Procurement is buying stuff, but when you're talking about government procurement, you're talking about $51.5 billion worth of taxpayer money that the government could be spending on helping small companies, on on companies that are going to improve the environment, are going to improve social issues, are going to employ ex-prisoners. You know, this is really important stuff. So you're saying with great power comes great responsibility. Exactly. Let's be clear exactly what we're talking about here. This is the... This is the purchasing with the big government, the big fat government dollar of road contracts, infrastructure contracts. Toilet paper, pens for the office, um, cleaning. It's, it's everything that the government spends on buying stuff, goods and services. So this is right through the public service, right through any Minis- government Ministries, spending. government departments, schools... Everything. So what is the current... They do have some kind of a social contract built into procurement at the moment. What's the current state? So basically, the government really sensibly came out about five years ago and said, we've got to have broader outcomes. And broader outcomes is, it could be, we don't just buy on price. We don't get the cheapest. We can use our procurement, our buying power, to help the environment, to help social issues, to help the economy you know, the wider economy, uh, to help cultural issues, we can use this money. But, you know, I guess from the taxpayer point of view, what taxpayers expect in government spending is the cheapest deal. I don't think that's right. Because let's say I employ a company, that a construction company that takes... Um, young people who are in danger of offending or people that come out of prison who are likely to go back into prison if they don't have a job. Now, I know that the roading bill might be a bit more expensive, but the police bill could be a lot cheaper later on. The justice bill could be a lot cheaper later on, um, prisons, etc. So it's looking at all of government and how could we do things better. So social engineering? Yeah. But wouldn't the government get hammered if it didn't use the cheapest option? Well... What happens is that each department controls its own budget. So you've got procurement people, officials, that have money to spend on stuff. But they're not looking at all of government. They're saying, my budget is $50, and if I spend $45, I get a big tick. And if I spend $55, I get a big, you know, I get booted out. Um, and so they're spending $45 and getting a big tick. But that's not how it should be because you have all these opportunities to do more with your $50. Can I tell, tell you how I first got into social procurement? Sure. <laughs> because it's, it's an example. So 
I five years ago, I don't know anything about social procurement. I don't know a lot about social enterprises, which are the companies that sort of take up these contracts. And I get this um, story idea about a social procurement, a social enterprise conference or something, and there are all these bigwigs getting together. But some of the little firms are going along as well. And New Zealand Post stands up and says they are going to take on three social enterprises to do some of their contracts. And there's this little cleaning company called Freshdesk and they say, oh no, we're much too small. But then they have, you know, they they get the courage up and they go and talk to New Zealand Post about doing the cleaning contract for New Zealand Post. And it takes ages because this is a really small company which has never filled out a 40-page tender document and had to deal with an enormous government department. But anyway, they work together and they do get there in the end. Freshdesk gets a bit of the New Zealand Post contract. And I just thought that was an awesome... So the good thing about Freshdesk is that they use only environmental cleaning products and they pay all their staff the living wage, not the minimum wage, which is what most cleaners get. And what's happened to them since? My story talks about how these broader outcomes that the government was so proud of are just not happening. Government is not using them. And my when I spoke to Freshdesk this week, it's exactly what's happened to them. They picked up two other government contracts, but these are people that have within the procurement departments of these two departments, that's Lynn's Land and Information and... Um, Tomata Arawai, which is the water regulator. And they really, really want to do the right thing. These are government bodies, but nobody else. And in general, government procurement people are still buying cheapest or risk the least risky. If I take on a little company, maybe I'm going to have to do a lot more training. Um, it's much easier just to employ the big guys. It's, it's really heartbreaking, isn't it? It's just soul-destroying. It is soul-destroying. I find it soul-destroying, and I'm I'm not doing this, but I feel it. I feel that it's just so wrong. Yes, yeah, it feels like it's that grant system where you get into something for the, you know, because you really wholeheartedly embrace something, and then you find yourself being an administrator filling in boxes after boxes after boxes of paperwork. Yeah. You're up against a company, a big company that has an administrator to do that but you're just a little company that wants to do the right thing and you don't have staff to fill out 40 page tender documents. Have we seen the effects of poor procurement in the past? I was sort of asking you before you know take the example of local and regional councils that stopped using local firms to fix their roads. We're now left with two big road contractors in the country if they get around to fixing your regional road, you're on the back of a list kind of thing. I just don't know. Um, I've been looking at the procurement side, but not the outcome. All I know is there's this wonderful expression, which is that nobody ever got fired for hiring Microsoft. And that's basically that's that risk-averse thing, that if I'm... Yeah, if I have a big contract and I employ a small tech firm, we have so many great tech companies that could take on a lot of the work that goes to Microsoft, that goes to um, some of the consulting companies. And they tech companies are up in arms that they're not getting this work because it's a lot less risky for the government just to employ a big firm. And also the big firms have people whose job it is to lobby for big contracts. I guess you can see the risk, though, to the procurement officers themselves that if they start hiring duds, 
and they do two or three in a row, that's their job too. But um, in the tax base, I do know, you know, that police contract was a dud. They hired a big company and they got a dud. So there have been some examples of big IT contracts going to big overseas firms and turning out not great. Okay, well, let's uh, get on with your story. Bonnie, take us away. This is Procurement Without Purpose, The Problems with Broader Outcomes, written by Nikki Mando and published on newsroom.co.nz. Anyone who thinks government procurement isn't sexy or important should look at the numbers. Our political leaders spent $51.5 billion of our taxpayer dollars on buying things last year. That's up from $42 billion in 2020. Spent wisely and strategically, this money could, to use the government's own words, directly contribute to its priority to build a productive, sustainable and inclusive economy. Indirectly, it can do even more, government says. It could accelerate our economic and social recovery, lay the foundations for a better future through reducing inequality and addressing child poverty and reducing carbon emissions. Maybe sexy, certainly critical. It's been five years since the government made its intentions totally clear. Procurement was a unique opportunity to achieve broader cultural, economic, environmental and social outcomes for New Zealand, it said in 2018. A year later, it wrote broader outcomes into its procurement rulebook and in 2020 introduced its first specific targets. Māori businesses should make up 5% of total government procurement contracts. That target was increased to 8% earlier this year because, as Māori Development Minister Willie Jackson said, we were already there, 6% in the 2021-22 financial year. More than 3,200 contracts were awarded to Māori businesses across the public sector, worth a total value of around $930 million, Jackson said. We know our collective government buying power can deliver better value for people and communities. Getting agencies to consider benefits other than just price is making a positive social impact and boosting the Māori economy, he said. Given this, Newsroom was a little surprised to receive a press release from the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment, or MBIE, announcing changes to one of the government's most significant procurement relationships with its bankers, without any mention of broader outcomes or of social or environmental impact or the Māori supply chain. The upgraded procurement panel arrangement, which will go right through to 2027 or potentially 2029, offers government agencies a range of benefits including value for money, flexible service and pricing models, robust and transparent commercial contracts, clear, consistent service levels and high-quality support, said Lawrence Pitcock, General Manager of MBIE's New Zealand Government Procurement Department. But not the option to promote social and environmental goals through putting pressure on some of the most powerful and profitable companies in the land. It was disappointing, 
says Anna-Jane Edwards, General Manager of Amotai, the biggest organisation in the country connecting Māori and Pacifica-owned businesses with government and corporate organisations wanting to purchase goods, services and works. There are significant opportunities for smaller, more diverse businesses to provide services to the banks, Edwards says. And openly baking broader outcomes into supply agreements with a massive client like the government can be crucial. We have 1,700 companies with Amotai, and many could be providing services to banks, she says. Nicola Nation is chief executive of the Akina Foundation, a social enterprise working to increase the clout and capability of the social enterprise sector, including through procurement. Nation says she was surprised not to see any mention of wider objectives in the decision, and she also wondered why there were no locally owned banks on the list of preferred suppliers, with the government instead choosing Westpac, ANZ and Citibank, with the potential to add ASB Bank into the mix at a later stage. Kiwi Bank and the Cooperative Bank are not only New Zealand-owned, but both have B Corp status, a certification that benchmarks companies against high standards of social and environmental performance, accountability and transparency, Nation says. Given the decision locks the government into the panel for up to six years, it does seem like an omission, she says. Pidcock told Newsroom that to be part of the new all-of government banking contract, banks had to provide information on programmes or initiatives they operate that support broader outcomes. Government procurement would provide this information to agencies, which can then factor it into their decision-making when considering which bank or banks to use. Pidcock says, Broadly speaking, examples the banks provided included initiatives in areas such as environmental sustainability, low-carbon transition, increasing access to New Zealand businesses, improving conditions for New Zealand workers and sustainable financing, he said. He didn't mention any proactive encouragement for banks to use a more diverse range of suppliers in order to be included on the banking panel. In terms of the government's wider procurement programme, Pitcock said broader outcomes continued to be a key priority and there were a number of initiatives in place. These include publishing the government vehicle fleet dashboard, which charts emissions reductions and the transition to electric vehicles, as well as the Māori business targets. At Amotai, Anna-Jane Edwards is in favour of targets. They put a line in the sand and show it's important, she says. But that 5%, now 8%, Māori number, looks more game-changing than it actually is, she says, because it's a volume, not a value target. That means a big government organisation could have 5% of their contracts with Māori businesses, but at the same time be spending a minuscule amount, say $5,000, of its multi-million dollar budget with those businesses. Even worse, a big government contractor might include a number of potential Māori suppliers in a tender document, count them in the 5% number, but then not use them at all in the actual work. And unless a government procurement official checks up, which they often don't, Anna-Jane Edwards says, no one knows the Māori business spent time and money on the tender process, but missed out on any revenue or profit. She calls it price-checking and says it's common in construction. 
the businesses never hear from them again, she says. Doing the maths on the official and possibly optimistic central government figures, that's the $930 million awarded to Māori businesses out of a total spend of $51.5 billion, the value spend comes out at less than 2%. It doesn't have to be like that. A group of Auckland organisations are more ambitious and are using value, not volume, targets. Auckland Council, for example, is aiming to have 5% of the value of all direct contracts awarded to diverse suppliers, Māori and or Pacifica-owned business or social enterprises. Auckland Transport's target is to have 2% of the value of procurement spend with Māori-owned businesses by the end of this year. And Watercare aims for 5% of total spend to be with Māori businesses by the end of the 2025 financial year. We really pushed for the central government procurement target to be a value target because that's how you get meaningful step change, Anna-Jane Edwards says. But there wasn't an appetite for it. Part of that reluctance was a worry about whether enough Māori businesses have the size and experience to take on big contracts, she says. The trouble is that without value targets, she worries there's no incentive for a government department or a major supplier on a big contract with a government department to help build capability within smaller, diverse businesses, which will later use that experience to take on other contracts. Nicola Nation at Arkina says more focus is needed within government on lifting the size and capability of Māori companies and other social enterprises so they can scale, compete for government contracts and thereby make a bigger difference. In Australia, the government committed $8 million Australian dollars between 2018 and 2023 to a programme that helps start-up social enterprises get to a stage where investors are willing to put money in. In New Zealand, government has consistently refused to consider funding a similar programme, Nation says. There is a massive problem of a pipeline of financial institutions wanting to get involved in impact investing, but not able to find initiatives to invest in, Nation says. Arkina's Impact Investment Readiness Programme has been running for six years, providing up to $30,000 for 11 social enterprises in 2022. It received $300,000 from the Tyndall Foundation and Foundation North, but nothing from the government. Nation says, we can't get them to the table, and that's immensely frustrating. MBIE, Te Puni Kōkiri, Ministry for the Environment, all people interested in social and environmental initiatives which will grow the economy. I'm asking them for less than half the dollars the Australians are getting, but they say it doesn't fit their objectives, she says. Te Puni Kōkiri's progressive procurement lead, Kelly Koya, says the organisation has a three-layered approach to supporting Māori businesses through what is a complex and fragmented government procurement process. The process combines regional advisors, one-on-one support and online tools, she says. We continue to be impressed with the early successes from these pathways of support and the outcomes that have been achieved for Māori businesses, Koya says. Meanwhile, Anna-Jane Edwards of Amultai 
says she's frustrated that the blame is often placed with the Māori business for not being ready to take on big jobs, when actually the biggest opportunity is in government buyers shifting their thinking around how they purchase and who they buy from. Edward says there are pockets of good practice within government, but overall, procurement departments tend to be looking for a mix of low price and minimum risk, and that's not going to see broader outcomes at the top of the list. She says, Buyers hold the key, and unless you build their capability, nothing is going to change. Our position is buyers should be supporting businesses into the supply chain, and there are advantages for them in that, including diversity and resilience. It's not just Edwards concerned about the quality and skills of the government's procurement officials. Every year or so, government runs a procurement business survey where they ask their suppliers how they're doing. The first time Newsroom wrote about the survey in 2021, we discovered what we thought of as a shocking level of dissatisfaction with the government as a customer. Then, when the next survey came out in 2022, it was worse on pretty much every measure. Asked about their initial engagement with government, a quarter, or 24%, of businesses rated their experience as poor or very poor, up from 22% in 2018. The number rating it good or very good fell slightly from 41% to 40%. Asked about the government procurement people they dealt with, only 31% of suppliers rated them as innovative, down from 46% in 2018. Just 41% thought they were good at communication or timing. Only 34% were impressed with their decision-making. Perhaps most shocking of all, only half of businesses rated their contract manager as professional, competent to do their job. MBIE's Lawrence Pidcock knows the challenges he faces and has set 2030 as a realistic time frame for change. It's so hard to get an entire profession to work in a different way, he told Newsroom. Behavioural change is never easy. Attracting the right people is also hard, as is training them, encouraging innovation and getting people to think about the broader outcomes that could see procurement become a game-changer for the economy and social issues. On the positive side, he says, My optimism comes from the fact that everybody I talk to wants the same thing. Procurement people are frustrated. Suppliers are frustrated. Ministers are frustrated. At the Arkina Foundation, Nicola Nation understands it's hard, but says the government is still moving too slowly. Both she and Edwards say the Māori business targets are a good start, but broader outcomes need to cover a wider range of social and environmental problems. Pidcock says that's already happening, particularly around the environment. Rule 20 of the government procurement rules states agencies should support the procurement of low emissions and low waste goods, services and works, and encourage innovation to significantly reduce emissions and waste impacts from goods and services. Critics would like to see numerical targets beyond those for Māori business. Improving the bureaucracy is another urgent issue, Nation says. There are still far too many poorly worded and unnecessarily complicated tender documents coming from government agencies, and this is stopping smaller, impact-focused companies, companies without teams of people with the time and knowledge to wade through 30-page tenders, 
from even applying for, let alone winning, government contracts. We're still expected to respond to tenders which don't make sense, or where the back end doesn't match the front end, Nation says. It's a huge problem. Good procurement people understand they are change managers and change agents, but most are focused on compliance and probity and risk avoidance. And that's not changed in the last decade, Nation says. It's a similar message from Caroline Boot, a procurement specialist, founder of the New Zealand Procurement Institute and director of Clever Buying, a training provider for people working in government and local authorities. She says... The procurement process is often risk-averse, lawyer-controlled, too onerous and too complicated for the sorts of small and medium-sized businesses which would be able to deliver broader outcomes. The process and paperwork required to get on an all-of-government pre-selection panel, for example, is not something that smaller businesses, focused on delivering, can be bothered with, she says. New Zealand has a history of bravery in small businesses – But the government has historically not been good at providing right-sized opportunities for companies of all sizes, Boot says, although she says it is improving. What has happened is the onerous requirements for those businesses to engage with government means they choose not to, Boot says. An MBIE report published in August 2022 said improving the capability of public procurement practitioners was both a concern and a priority for government in terms of the delivery of broader outcomes. The report read, This year, the Tefano Manaki programme for government staff involved in the procurement and management of social services has been established. The programme is planned to deliver 56 training workshops on social service procurement to approximately 700 government staff by the end of 2022. MBIE was not able to confirm whether those targets have been met and what, if anything, was happening this year. But Boots says her experience is capability is improving very slowly and is not always targeted at the practical skills needed to make a difference. The training programme run by Clever Buying has unintentionally been caught up in the government's restructure of vocational training and the withdrawal of previous government funding. Hundreds of former public sector procurement professionals have had to withdraw from procurement training, Boots says, and that's a problem. She says, if you don't have people trained in procurement, you don't procure wisely. That was Procurement Without Purpose, The Problems with Broader Outcomes, written by Nikki Mando and published on newsroom.co.nz. And before that, we had Nikki in conversation with The Detail's Alexia Russell. The Detail's long read is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. We'll be back next week with another long read. Ka kite anō.